Hello? Oh, that's better. Oh, my goodness. Dan, what a morning. What's going on with you? Are you still hanging out with the mayor or what? No, that was yesterday. We don't hang out two days in a row. <laughs> Although I did get invited, not invited, but I was, it was, it was bandied about that I give a class to a bunch of city government people, including the mayor, uh, at a retreat, a, cl- a class on um, being like bringing humor into your public speaking. At the Bohemian Grove or something? Out of the Bohemian Grove. Yeah. That's right, with Richard Nixon uh-huh. and Henry Kissinger. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, hmm, that seems a little TED talky. And the <laughs> person that was suggesting it was like, exactly. Oh, wow. So. You got to do it. Well, it's. Wake just, these now, people up. Now we're just talking about. Well, now we're just talking budget. Right. What's the budget? What's right. the budget for this? Guys like that don't. I don't think have a budget. I mean, you don't want to. Well, you don't want to look like uh, an amateur walking in there asking about budgets. City gov, city gov. You know they got. <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 not the world's best negotiator. I do need a manager, but I'm not, I'm not going to teach these guys how to introduce humor into their public speaking. I imagine you're a lot like uh, Chris Christopherson, and that you need a handler around you at all times. Someone to sort of step in. I wish to God I had one <laughs> today. As I was leaving my house, I got in, I got in my truck. I'm driving along. I drove through an apple tree. Um, and then the brakes felt a little funny Mm-mm. and there's a big, big hill outside of my house down the, down the hill. And they just felt a little funny the whole way. I'm just like, that's not a good feeling. And then I got to the bottom and they, they really felt funny and they were squishy and smooshy. And I was like, this sucks. And I wanted to get here to do the, I wanted to get to my office to do our um, big show, our our big show. And so I just limped it here. And the whole way along, I was like, there's a problem. I've got a problem. I don't know what it is. I've had, I've had brake problems before. They're not problems that you want. And so it took me a long time to get here because I was, you know, at every, on every long stretch, you have a choice, of course, when your brakes are failing. The choice is, do you speed up to make the green light that you can see ahead of you and risk that you're going too fast when the light changes? And then you're like, oh, no, my brakes are out and I'm going 60 miles an hour because I thought I could make the light. Or do you putter along, almost ensuring that you're going to miss the light, requiring that you brake, but not requiring that you brake more often, but less emergency braking. I like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's the choice I made. Uh, I only ran like 1.5 red lights. Is that above or below average? Mm, it's about at average. Okay. Right, ar- right around the Boeing, uh, the Boeing aircraft f- facility, the aircraft manufacturing factory and airport, there are several traffic lights that I would describe as specious traffic lights. By which I mean, Boeing has a lot of uh, has a lot of pull. They have a big enterprise there that stretches for many miles, and they have traffic lights for their employee parking lots. Mm. So anytime somebody decides that they're going to run to the donut store, they pull up to what should not be a traffic light. They pull right. up. They just come out of their parking lot. They could wait for there to be an opening. You know, they could just make a free right or they could wait for the one second that it will take for a space to clear. Because this isn't a 
it's not it's not like a super busy road. Mm-hmm. But instead, they they pull up to that point, and then all of a sudden, the traffic light triggers, and everyone else that's comfortably driving fifty miles an hour down this road has to. Oh, so yeah. one, you know, so one guy in his truck can make a a donut run. That's infuriating. And so those lights, those lights, I make, I make, I make, uh, I, 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 I make a call, right? I'm driving along. The light starts to change. I look to the side. I see there's somebody there in a, in a Saturn because a lot of engineers, you know, they like Saturns. Is that so? Back in the day, I think. Yeah. I see it and I see the light. I mean, I'm not just gonna, I'm not going to let a light change red and then just blow through it 30 seconds later. But if it's a, if it's a case of like, do I lock it up for this guy in the Saturn or do I just keep on keeping on? I'll, I'll, about 50% of the time, I'll just say, beep, beep. You know what I'm saying? I know that this is you not You know I'm you obligated to, to ask you to not do that, right? I, I know. Mean, I know that okay. I know that you I know that this makes you feel very anxious, but it's a thing that I just feel like in some cases you have to make a professional determination. It's not just that I feel like it's safe to continue through, but also the light annoys me. The presence of the stoplight so as it's like a, it's a matter of principle for you. As a civic concession to Boeing and the and the you know, and the fact that they employ thousands of local people, I feel like you can give Boeing a lot of perks. You don't need to give them like six of their own stoplights. Mm. And there are six of these banks of stoplights along this five mile stretch where they serve no purpose other than at 5.30 p.m. to allow 600 Boeing employees to flood the streets. Ugh. You know, I, I understand if you like you work at a factory or a big plant or something and there's like quitting time and it's like a certain time when everyone kind of files out all of, you know, like the Fred Flintstone, he pulls the bird's tail and yeah, but yeah. I, I'm always frustrated because I try to offset my lunchtime and my arrival time and my leaving time as much as possible around when everyone else is doing it. And I do that for two reasons. One is because I'm, you know, I try to be a good person and I try to be one less person on the road when everyone else is on the road. That's very that's, thoughtful. that's the, the main, that's 99.9% of the reason why. Is that, is that right, Dan? You, you, yes. you change your traffic patterns around the city in order not to be part of the problem. That's right. And then the point wow. 0.01% is because uh, everybody else is too slow and they take too much time and I hate them and I mm-hmm. want to not interact with them as much as possible because they're so slow. And if I can like go to the grocery store to buy a, you know, uh, some chicken for lunch or whatever, or a hamburger that I want to mm-hmm. do it when the place is before or after the big brush. Yeah. That's a, that's a life hack. But I, what I wonder is, and it, you know, God, oh, the worst, the worst is like, Time gets away from me and I look up and it's, oh crap, it's noon, you know, and I haven't eaten anything all day and I'm dying and I've got a show to do in an hour. Yeah. So now I've got to go and be a part of that mess. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, I was been, I've been thinking about this a lot as I imagine you sort of driving around uh, Seattle and I think about how People are so the, 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 we have a bridge here. 
It's a beautiful it, little bridge. Yes. It's a beautiful little bridge. Do any bats live under it? Uh, not the not that that's the South Congress bridge. Right. The famous. The famous the famous bridge but, of bats. It, the bridge bridge of bats. I like that. The bridge of bats. No, this is uh, a different bridge called the Pennybacker Bridge. <laughs> and it is uh it is a a bridge. It's a beautiful little ar- a really small bridge, but it's an arched bridge. It goes across Lake Austin uh on 360, which is also known as Capital of Texas Highway. Yeah, I know the bridge. I know the, I know exactly where you're talking. It's a about. gorgeous little bridge. And the problem is there's just well, so imagine this. There's just as many lanes of traffic going over the bridge as there are on either side of the bridge. You don't have to merge. You don't have to Oh, I see what you're saying. It's if there's I think there's it, it's maybe two lanes in each direction. It's utterly uncomplicated to proceed across this bridge. It's completely straight. The road surface doesn't change. You don't even get that. I don't even think there's that bridge. You know, when you go over a bridge and you go, I don't even think there's no, and there's no hump. There's no feeling of being on a bridge. It's totally flat. If you had your eyes closed, you wouldn't know you were on the bridge. Right. And I know you, I know you don't recommend that drivers close their eyes too. Well, I mean that, that should at least be obvious. I don't know. Well, anyway, anyway, go ahead. Four lanes. Yeah. And I'm looking at the details of this now. The total length is 1,150 feet. The <laughs> I longest, love that you are conf- you're confirming this with, uh, with the little internet search. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the longest span is 600 feet. You get 100 foot uh, clearance below. And it was opened December 3rd, 1982, 33 years ago. All this is very important. And it's free. It's free both ways. There's no toll. <laughs> okay. So all of this would lead you to think that there would be no reason for you to slow down when you're going over this thing. Well, especially that 100-foot clearance below. That's right. <laughs> you're not going to get hit with a crane or a sailboat Nothing. or anything. And every single time you need to go over this bridge, there's a huge traffic slowdown. And here's something else that I've learned in many years of driving, and maybe you can confirm this is the same in in Seattle, but there's a very different kind of driver on the road between, I don't know, 6.30, 7 o'clock and 9 o'clock in the morning, and then between 4 and 7 at night than there are at all of the other times. All of the other times, people are just more or less, they're just kind of sightseeing, they're driving around. Oh, I got to go to the doctor. I never go out here. I'm not sure quite where it is versus the people who are like got to get to work got to get home got to get to work got to get home right like it's it's different the attitude is different and yet these are the same people who as soon as they get close to this bridge freak out and slow down for and there's no reason to do it and they slow down and you see, and there's always if you ever look at your 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 maps app it's always red uh, during rush hour over the bridge, but there's nothing happening over the bridge except that there visually there's a bridge there. Well, let me ask you a question. Isn't it true that in Texas culture, if one has an unwanted chicken, <laughs> the, the, the tradition is to throw that chicken off a bridge. Is that true? I can. I don't know. It seems to me to be one of the core Texas tenants uh, dating all the way back to when Texas was an independent country. If you have, this is a state ordinance. If you have an unwanted chicken, you want to throw that chicken off a bridge. So have you ever looked to see how many of those people slowing down are, are actually throwing chickens? 
Well, throwing <laughs> unwanted chickens no. off the bridge. No. If you have a chicken that's a little <clears throat> that's a little mangy, that's no. too skinny, that's too old to eat, what are you going to do with the chicken? No. Sure, you could take it off on your property and bury it in a hole, but th- that would violate Texas statute. Yeah, no. Are you sure about I'm this? I'm positive. Mm. Well, uh, if, it, if, it isn't, uh, if it isn't the chicken thing, then are people looking for bats? Do they not realize no, they're no not bats. on the No, they don't. The no one's, but this is, the, this is the whole thing I don't understand. And yesterday, uh, I was in South Austin that you saw. I took that picture of the, the tape thing. Yeah, the I have Ampex, a lot of questions uh, about that. Yeah. So I was out there with the Ampex ATR mm-hmm. and... Uh, one, one in 10,000 listeners is going, whoa, Ampex oh, yeah. ATR. Right, the 102? Is it the 102? <laughs> 9,999 <laughs> are saying, what? So I was I was driving back from there in South Austin and, uh, you know, Mopac's like not moving. I said, all right, I'm going to go this this back way. I'm going to have to go over <laughs> to the, 360. For those of you overseas, Mopax is another highway in Austin. Yeah. We're just naming all the highways all, in Austin. All the big ones. And can name every kind of nut. <laughs> okay, so go ahead. Hazel. You're on the road. <laughs> Love that movie. Are you a fan of Best in Show? Not really. Oh, it's good. I, I believe Macadamia nut. I believe that Spinal Tap is, the, is, a, is like a perfect cultural moment. All right. That they just should have quit. They just should have quit then. Mm. Everything else, I I understand it. It's like Twin Peaks. I understand that people love it and that it's galvanizing cultural moments. But uh, but I I just never got on board that train. What are the other ones? It's the uh, Best in Show. There's the Waiting for Guffman. Uh, there's or Mighty the, Wind. Mighty Wind. Any others? I don't. Th- think so and i think spinal tap and best in show are probably the most well-known yeah the so all three of those guffman uh best in show and uh mighty wind yeah i feel like if you took all of those and took them away uh, everything would be fine oh. still you know what i mean yeah i do yeah it's too bad because i know people love to quote them but I, this is the thing i feel like those movies are made for people that like to quote movies yeah you know what I'm saying? And I'll yeah. quote them. I'll quote the shit out of those movies. But <laughs> that's not, you know, you need more out of a movie than just funny, than just funny quotes. Yeah, probably. And I, lo- I love the, the sort of improvisational tone of them, but still, no. Yeah. Right. Anyway, moving right along. Yeah. I, I, you have hit upon, a, you've hit upon an interesting thing. We have, we have many of these same situations here in Seattle where... Um, Nothing has nothing about the the driving experience has changed, but but because there's some kind of because a lane of traffic has been added to the road, even though that lane of traffic uh, has its own lane <laughs> moving forward, right? The people that come in in that lane can stay in their lane. Nothing. There's no immediate need to do anything. The the just the change inspires people to change lanes. I don't know why you're going over the bridge. You see the bridge coming. Here's the bridge. Shit. I should be in the other lane. And it may be because there's an exit right on the other side of the bridge. And no one was thinking about that until they see the bridge and that's their cue. Oh shit. I should be in the other lane. And it's that, it's that feeling. It's that like a little fugue state Mm. of like, Oh shit. Oh shit. I should be in the other lane. Why? Why should be, why should, 
either why shouldn't you already have been in the other lane or b why do you need to be there now and right. I, what, and I, what went through your mind to make you say it right now at this moment now that's when i need to get in there. yeah and i'm imagining this bridge and i re- and i recall this bridge and there's probably a on-ramp coming on to the bridge on one side of the river and an off-ramp going off the bridge on the other side of the river and that little bit of chaos where people are like ah shit oh shit and then they put on their brakes because they don't know how to merge and they they and then the people behind them that are trying to avoid them with their brakes on pull around them and so then they have to even slow down more it's just people are awful they're just awful we've covered this so much really we've covered this so much and 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 now we're talking about it. and i'm speaking as someone who just drove a vintage truck 15 miles with basically no brakes right effectively running lights and making making like decisions that only contribute to chaos but you know i'm a trained professional oh well, on, yeah no on, I mean, a, we know on a closed course right <laughs> right I mean, it's not a, it's not actually a closed course because it's the it's all the city streets but around me i carry a protective bubble that says effectively this is a closed course uh-huh you're fine. You just behave normally. This is, this is the energy I'm sending out. You behave normally, other drivers, and I will handle all the, I will handle all the chaotic elements right here in-house. <laughs> so you just move. So here's the thing. I am, I'm like this green-colored brick that's moving at a regular tempo. Uh-huh. You drive as though that's all you know, which is, which is what they actually know. All they know is here's a green brick driving at a constant tempo. They don't have to know that my brakes are out. They don't have to know that I'm going to pick and choose which lights to stop at Mm -hmm. because I'm going to take them into account because I'm a professional driver. It's only, you know, like if the people around me, if there was some kind of reader board on my truck that said this truck's brakes are out. (laughs) Right. Oh my God. People would be, I would have been in 15 accidents. Yeah. On the way here, because right. people but, because be, no, you were in stealth mode, what they call a street sleeper. Yeah, right. People around me would have been trying to use their walnut brains to <laughs> solve a problem no one was asking them to solve, which was how do I deal with this guy whose brakes are out in his vintage truck? Right. No one's asking them to solve that problem. They don't have the capacity to. They can't even. They can't even process the the, the data stream. You're saving them from themselves. And if we could just, if that could just be true at a, at like a higher level, right? If people could be, um, and, and, and I feel like the GPS, what does the GPS do? Does it help or hurt? Because a lot of these merge problems already existed. I think that, I think maybe the GPS is like a neutral factor here because people come on, people come on an on ramp and the GPS says in 1.6 miles, Mm. you, your exit is on the right. And people don't know how to gauge how far 1.6 miles is like in normal traffic, 1.6 miles, you could butter two slices of bread and uh, you know, and make a fucking fluffer nutter (laughs) before you need to even start thinking about merging to the right. Right. But when people here in 1.6 miles, you need to merge to the right. They immediately start merging to the right at the, at the expense at absolute, like the, you know, at cost of death, I must get over. Yeah. But the thing is, if but a road sign inspires that same behavior, right? A road sign like in 1.6 miles, your exit is on the right. People make that same move. So, 
So there's no way to, there's no way to solve for this, Dan. It's, I, I think the solution is to give people as little information as possible because information confuses people and they start thinking that the, the decisions are theirs to make mm-hmm. when in fact you've decided for them already. Well, not me. I mean the, uh, the whole enterprise, right? The circulatory system of the body city has a plan. It just wants to get the corpuscles hmm. hustling along the tubes, corpuscle tubes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is my big advocation for, uh, for self-driving cars. I come, I come back to it over and over again. People are morons. I would, this is absolutely an example. I do not, I do not want computers to do half the things they are presently doing, but I do want computers to drive cars. You know, I don't trust any, all you need to do is go to a four way stop or a rotary to understand why we need self-driving cars. There shouldn't be four way stops. First of all, but like the, the Macintosh, company yeah has those guys i do not trust them to man, to even keep their calendar app working because their calendar app is a is like a pile of horse doo-doo <laughs> it is so garbage and i'm sure that somebody working on their calendar app team probably listens to this program and is going to send me a text message with little uh tear tear drenched smiley face emoticons Oh, we try, but no, you don't try. You don't try hard enough. Your calendar app is fucking garbage, but I do trust you to make a massive system where all cars are being controlled from one Cupertino loop. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like some, some things we need massive evil, uh, Borg corporations, Mm -hmm. And some things like I, I basically should have all this time just been keeping my calendar uh, on a desk blotter because that would be at least on a desk blotter. I wouldn't l- log on to it sometimes and go, didn't I have like a whole extra layer of appointments that I'd put into this calendar that are now gone? Hmm. Does that happen? And it does. And yeah. then why also are all of my appointments repeated three times in my calendar? Doctor, doctor appointment, doctor appointment, doctor appointment. Yeah, thanks. I know. And I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why it's doing that. Obviously, obviously, this is another case where all of the computer nerds are listening and saying, user error, user error. It's very simple. All you have to do is understand exactly what I intended as the computer programmer and not use it just uh, just like a sympathetic person would. So what we've... I think in this first part of the program, what we've come up with is that I'm the only good driver. Austin is a constant right. traffic jam. Right. Texas law indicates that or Texas law stipulates that if you have an unwanted chicken, you need to throw it off a bridge. Mm-hmm. The uh, Macintosh corporation has a faulty ca- uh, calendar app and computer programmers are garbage. Yes. That's as, I mean, and that's, we're, we're, what are we, 20 minutes in? So I think we've solved a lot of problems I mean, so we've far. We've made some headway. Mm-hmm. Our first sponsor today is Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon is better than what you're wearing right now. That's their thing. They believe in smart design, premium fabrics, simple shopping. I shop there. 
because it's easy. It's just a website. Go to the website, but I'll tell you what, it's awesome. It's really straightforward. How many of these shopping websites do you go to and you like get lost in the whole experience? You're like, I don't even remember what I came here for. The reason that this is so simple and so straightforward is because they focus on doing a few things really, really well. They make the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants. Done. That's it. Shopping experience couldn't be more simple. You grab the thing you want, you put it in your cart. All of their products, naturally antimicrobial, what does that mean? In English, it means they eliminate odor because they want you to be comfortable. If you don't like your first pair, guess what? They let you keep it. They'll still refund you, no questions asked. That's how confident they are in the stuff that they make, and it's great. Not only do they do underwear, socks, and shirts that look good, they're going to perform well too. They're good for working out and good for going to work, going on dates, everyday life, you name it, multitasking. Go to Mac Weldon, M-A-C-K, Weldon, MacWeldon.com, and get 20% off using the promo code ROADWORK. Let's be honest, you're going to need some new underwear and some socks. Give these guys a try. If you're unhappy, you still get to keep that first pair and you support the show in the process. MacWeldon.com, 20% off using the promo code ROADWORK. I'm sitting here, Dan. Yeah. I have to confess, I'm staring at this pile of boxes oh. that I still haven't opened. And I, and I, I really just want to communicate to people who listen to this program that I know it is awful to send a thing out into the void and then hear nothing. But let me assure you that I have not opened these boxes and started enjoying their contents. Like my obligation to you as the listener to open your box somehow and acknowledge you has also paralyzed me. I just have a big stack of boxes that I look at every day and I go, I'd really like to know what's in those boxes. I hope there wasn't any cake because it's been sitting there now for seven months. Well, I mean, yeah, I think we have an, we have we have received a lot of feedback mm. from the listeners, some of whom absolutely love the segment, some of whom are essentially threatening to to stop listening to the show. Yeah, if we if you ever open another box, that's right, that's right. A lot of people like the auga ending of the yes, show yes. that we put in to annoy people who previously complained about there being no ending right and then to because we were trolling the original hater right and then we got a bunch of new haters saying that all of our program endings where we're like talking about something serious and then it ends on a (laughs) i've never really i haven't heard it since you first sent it to me well you helped engineer it for the record Uh uh-huh i sent um, you i sent you my original concept for it and you you had a lot to say about that. And so yeah. we had there was at least three or four go arounds of, you know, certain order, certain length, there's certain tone, the way that I, but again, I mean you're a musician and you live in this this is where your head's at. Yeah, and that's exactly right. I felt like it was a song. Yeah. And I wanted it to kind of proceed through its <laughs> different different parts. Right. To build and grow. But then we started getting emails from people saying, Stop, please stop with that song. Right. And then it, I, I'm not sure it seemed to me for a while that you would put it in sometimes and not other times, which seemed very artistic to me. I, I appreciated it. Well, I wanted to keep people on their toes. You know, sometimes it felt like it needed it. Other times not. Maybe we should have, maybe we should do a second ending that ha- that's just like really, really mordant violin strings. Mm. Something just really, really like 
something that might play over a, like a Polish movie from the 30s. Oh my God, yeah. And, but then not necessarily play one or the other based on the content of the show before, right? Like <laughs> it could end really could end on a, on a high note and then the sad violins come in. Uh, <laughs> right. Just to sort of point out the fact that like the, the duality of, of humanity and that, you yeah. know, just think, when you're happy, let's remind you that, you know, come down right. from there. That's right. The, the, uh, the, the world's, <laughs> the world's saddest clown. I think, I that's, think, but I, <laughs> I think we should put we should have the we should have the end music be on a certain cycle all right that is that does not that is not content based right it's just like it's sort of a uh we'll we'll put it in a one one four five kind of organization mm-hmm. and you just get the music you get the music that's scheduled regardless of whether the show was happy or I like sad. that I like that yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, right. We're trying to, we're making the classic error, Dan, of trying to satisfy our listeners by performing for them, giving them the end music that they want. Opening boxes or not opening boxes. Mm -hmm. A few, a few weeks ago, I started getting tweets or maybe a month ago from people that were like, look, I sent you that thing. I've been waiting for you to open it for the love of God. Do you think that it's just the fact that there, that we devoted so much time two opening boxes maybe we could just do one one box or two per episode or something and oh, that's not a bad idea you I know think, instead of like I, instead of like a, a two hour i'm opening boxes today <laughs> it, it would be more like you know what it's it's time for john to open a box and then, then, then we have a little thing and oh, you play the the uh the johnny carson yeah was, you know it's always on my mind uh that's a, not a bad idea i think maybe the maybe part of the problem was that i I spent a lot of time actually just describing the box. Yeah. And the but color that's part of, the paper. of it. Where'd you go and get one? Well, I'm, uh, you know, I like your idea. Huh. I can, I can feel all of the, all of the people out but there. I think that we've got to have a segment. We've got to have music dropped in. What kind of song segment. would you want to do? Let's do the, let's do the Doc Severinsen, Johnny all right. Carson. All right. I've got, I've got, I've got two letters and a box. Can everybody handle that? I like that. I think that's fair. All right, two letters. The first one is from Austin, Texas. It's I believe, not from me. I believe I know who it's from. Um, I did see your mug, Austin. though. By the way, thank you for that. Oh yeah, my five by five mug. It's a real, it's a real sex getter. <laughs> you just put, you know, you're, you're not doing so good with the girl at the bar. You say, you know what? Sometimes I bring my own, uh, my own uh, stemware and you well, sort t- of set it up there on the bar and like, that'll bring them home. I, uh, it, usually it's, I'm driving in my truck and the brakes are failing and I'm, I got one elbow out the window <laughs> right. and in that hand, I have my five by five mug and I'm driving, drinking coffee with my hand out the window. Right. Uh, with a just a pinky of my right hand steering the truck because it's <laughs> yep. the the, uh, the alignment is just it's very nice and uh, then I look over and there's a gal in a little red Corvette she's looking up and she's like is that a five by five mug right I go well yes it is you want to pull over at the next Denny's okay um so this is a, a card, like a uh, like a greeting card. It says, "When I was a child, I never had a fantasy about having a maid. What I had a fantasy about was having candy." No, I didn't read that right. I transposed. 
When I was a child, I never had a fantasy about having a maid. What I had a fantasy about having was candy. That's very unusual. Who made this card? Cake Spy Shop. Oh, that's from Seattle. So it's a card from Seattle from a person in... In Austin. Austin. So let me read that again. I, I, I'm sorry to be so pedantic, but the, 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 the syntax here. When I was a child, right... I never had a fantasy about having a maid. When I was a child, I never had a fantasy about having a maid. Mm. What I had a fantasy about having <laughs> was candy. Yeah. Boy, I, I would love to see that sentence diagrammed. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Here, deep in the card, it says, quote, by Andy Warhol. That's a quote by Andy Warhol. Wow. Okay, well, that explains it. Andy Warhol was trolling people with English as well as with paint. Uh, And then opening it up, it says, well, this will give you an indication of how long ago this came in the mail. The end of the February 29th roadwork made me so sad. Um, With a February 29th roadwork. Yeah, the end of the February 29th roadwork, which I hope we didn't conclude with our womp, 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 womp. Well, hold on. I'm, I'm looking, for, looking for the date. I'm back in, mm-hmm. going back to in time here through and the then, annals. And then it's a, uh, then it's a very nice, just sh- short and sweet note from Shannon saying that although the end of the, uh, the end of the road work made her sad, she wanted to give me like a, like a kind of a punch on the arm of fellowship saying you are loved. And that is much appreciated. Whatever I was sad about on February 29th, who knows? I might still be sad about it now. This is what happens when you don't open your mail for six months. I'm going right. to, well, I'm going to, I'm going to hit the mute button and I'm going to just scroll through, scrub through to the end of this and see which one it was. But this is where you say John recalls an Orlando mugging Wearing white jeans, getting in fights, murders on the highway, living a life of romance, closed head injuries, nursemaid's elbow, and childhood traumas. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Just a normal day. Just a normal day. Um, and then the next envelope is from a friend of the show and friend from friend of the from the world, uh, Jade Gordon, who now lives in Portland, Oregon. If you are not familiar with her artwork, you should make yourself familiar with it because she does these fantastic drawings and she sent me a a whole packet of little uh books and cartoons and it seems like maybe a flip book uh let's see she says she's sending some things that she's made um fabric wallpaper gift wrap from a company called spoonflower uh, oh, she's suggesting that it might be uh, some spruce up material for my RV. Ooh. Is this, is this uh, Jade Gordon? Does she have a Patreon? Yeah. Jade Gordon. Okay. I'll put that in, in the show notes. She's real good. Yeah, she is good. And she's, she's long done uh, fan art of the entire sort of larger community that I live in. She's drawn a lot of Captain of, uh, Colton done some of that she's drawn merlin she's drawn she's probably drawn you dan no way i would know about I, it no i bet she no, i would know about it i'm pretty sure she has 
No way. Nothing escapes her eagle eye. I'm telling you, I would know about it. Okay, now the now the one box I'm going to open today, and I think this is a good plan, Dan. We're just going to do this every week. Okay, it's going to be a short segment. Okay, this box has come internationally from Edmonton, Alberta, and it says right on it that it's full of candy. Mm. It it was launched to me in March, so this one is even after the initial bursts of packages that came in whatever november i'm sure there are still some up there okay opening it there's a letter there's a lot of bubble wrap wrap there oh what kind <laughs> well i feel like th- this candy is a little bit of a I feel like it is intended to be a rebuke because one of my one of my online memes troll memes is to say that Hershey's chocolate is better than all other chocolate. Oh. And when I go online and I say that Hershey's chocolate is better than all other chocolate, it uh, it inspires a kind of like soccer fan rage mm-hmm. in people from Europe or people who have ever been to Europe or people who have ever eaten chocolate. Uh, Canadians especially are like into good chocolate Canadians. I think what it is, Canadians have access to American chocolate and European chocolate. Okay. And so they feel somehow uh, qualified to be like comparison testers. Whereas a lot of people in Switzerland or Germany have never even tried American chocolate. Why would they? Anyway, here's the letter. Long time for long time listener. First time writer. I think that I, I think I already know. I think I already said in a recent episode, you said we can all agree that Hershey's makes the best chocolate. Did I call this or not? Yep. Did I call this? You Dan? just did. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. So he says uh, for your evaluation, I present American Hershey's versus Canadian Hershey's. Really? Is this like Mexican Coke versus American I, Coke? I think so. Versus Canadian Cadbury Dairy Milk versus United Kingdom Cadbury Dairy oh Milk. Has he compiled or she compiled all of this into one thing for you to sample? I have a I have a bag here with five chocolate bars in it. Oh, one man. Of, one of each of these things. So now I'm going to have to read this whole letter. In a recent episode, you said we can all agree that Hershey's makes the best chocolate. Just recently, I've been reading about chocolate. Mm-hmm. I bet you have. And some of the Hershey slash Cadbury stick fighting going on over who's best for your evaluation. Yeah. So American Hershey's Canadian Hershey's note, higher fat, sugar and sodium in Canadian Hershey's relative to American Hershey's Canadian Cadbury dairy milk, United Kingdom Cadbury dairy milk. Note own the only one here with milk as the first ingredient. Uh Hmm. Versus Nielsen Jersey Milk, a Canadian classic chocolate. Also note, because of business in the modern age, Cadbury and Nielsen are owned by the same company. And I understand Hershey's makes Cadbury for the U.S. market. This is more like a brother-sister spat than a neighborhood stick fight. Either way, I hope you enjoy the chocolate. Maybe not all at once. Thanks for hours of thoughtful talk. Thank you, Michael Losey. Michael Losey. I'm going to, I'm going to pronounce it Losey. 
And if it's, uh, if it has a different Canadian pronunciation, he will let us know. Anyway, that's from March. I feel like this chocolate is still probably good. If it's sealed, it's fine. Yeah. Yep. Dairy milk, two different dairy milks, two different Hershey's and one Jersey milk. I cannot wait. Ha ha. Are you going to try one now? No, no. I need to be in a quiet, quiet room with the lights off Uh. and do a sort of Pepsi challenge with these. I think first I'll try, I'll try the two Hershey's versus one another. And then the two Cadbury's versus one another. The Jersey milk is, it's really an outlier here. Is your claim that Hershey's is the best chocolate? Is this based on your sampling of lots of chocolates from around the world in your travels? Or is this simply part of your American patriotism coming through or what? So I have eaten every kind of chocolate because I'm a, Let's let's just say say it for what it is. I'm a chocoholic. Okay. Uh, I was introduced to chocoholism uh, in the 1980s uh, at a time when Garfield really loved lasagnas. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember the Mama Cat? Mama, Mama Cat. Mama Cat was a cat, a drawing of a cat that seemed kind of like a New Yorker cartoon, and uh, she was on a lot of. Tote bags, I think. Mama cat, pretty sure is what she was called. My um, my aunt really liked Mama cat on things. Chocoholism was a was a topic on a lot of people's plates at the time. Oh, I'm a chocoholic. Ooh, tee. And I was like, I am a fucking chocoholic. I don't think it's funny. So as I traveled the world, I was primarily interested in what other chocolates uh, different countries had to offer. Yeah. Right? I mean, sure, like, yeah, your ballet, you know, but, uh, you know, in your nice environment or whatever, your friendly people, but do you have soccer torts for one? Right? Uh, some places there in the greater sphere of Vienna uh, have, this, have the uh, soccer torts. Some of them don't. These are things I need to know. Right. When I first got the first time I, I arrived in Europe, the, I stepped off an airplane in 1989 in Brussels. I flew there on the now defunct, uh, Belgian airline Sabina. I stepped off the plane. I walked into the airport and I was like, it smells like chocolate here. Hmm. Mixed with gasoline. That's like, not good. Well, no, it was pretty great. I love the smell of gasoline and cho- like chocolate and gasoline. I still think of chocolate and gasoline when I think of Belgium, even though I learned later that really Belgium smells like meatball sandwiches. I think chocolate and gasoline would be a really cool band name. Mm, you know? Chocolate and gasoline. Yeah. But so I've eaten the chocolates of the world and everybody's, and it's chocolate is one of those things like, like soccer teams where uh, people like get angry about chocolate, chocolate and beer, you know, they'll yell at you all day about uh, what chocolates are superior. And the only thing that the people of the world can agree upon is that American Hershey's chocolate is the worst. I I would agree with that too. If you go anywhere, they're going to say, they're going to argue about their different chocolates. And then if they even deign to 
reference Hershey's, it will be only to say that Hershey's doesn't even qualify as chocolate. Mm-hmm. I'll go they'll along say, with that too. They'll say it's like chocolate flavored wax. They'll say it's some kind of extrusion that's the result of a, of a different, entirely different um, manufacturing process. Like they're making tires or something for Firestone and that this is the leftover product. <laughs> well, yeah, I grew up in, in Philadelphia, of course, neighboring Hershey, Pennsylvania, where you know, the, the, your Mecca, I guess. Uh-huh. And it, everybody liked Hershey's back then. It was, it was part of the religion of living in and growing up in Pennsylvania, I would think. But you're saying you're, you're a Hershey's hater too. Well, I, I mean, hate is a kind of a, it involves some kind of active feeling, I feel like. And it's, so I'm not actively like disliking it, it but if, if it was the only chocolate around, I, w- I probably wouldn't eat it. Whoa! Yeah. So Hershey's chocolate is like the Dasani water of <laughs> chocolate for you. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it just, there's, it's, it's too, well, I should go on record and say I prefer dark chocolate. I don't really like light chocolate. I have tried Hershey's dark. It's, it's okay. I grew up eating. I mean, this is like Halloween. You'd come back and you'd have all those little mini Hershey's bars. That was, that was like the, you know, the good stuff when you came back with that. Hmm. But I guess, I don't know, like I've just grown it, like the less sweet the chocolate is, the better and the less milk. But Mm -hmm. I think for milk chocolate, which I don't like, I think, I think Hershey would probably be up, up there in the top five, maybe for people Hmm. who like that. (laughs) Do you like a milk chocolate though? How can you eat that? Well, here's the, here's the thing in Europe. They like milk chocolate. Uh, in Switzerland, for instance, I mean, what do you think of when you think of Switzerland? You think of a big cow with Jeez. a bell around its neck, and that cow has udders yeah. swelling with Swiss milk, <laughs> and that milk gets put into cheese, and it gets put into milk chocolate. Because mm. they, can't, they can't figure out where else to put it. Well, so they got to ruin perfectly good chocolate by putting milk in. I think they sell it to the Italians. Mm. Right? Or they sell Those it, guys, I mean, they'll they, buy anything. The 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 the, uh, the milk on one side <laughs> goes down to Italy, and the milk on the other side runs into France. And you know the French make runny cheese out of it, and the and the Italians make uh, whatever you know hard cheese. But and then the English, right? The English are all very very focused on the breast, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah, they are a they are a, a people where the men of England are very much boob people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's all they think about milk, 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 milk mm. from the time they're little, the time they're little babies. And so is that because they don't, they don't breastfeed. They don't no, do that I over think, there. I think they do. I just think that there's, I think that if there is a, if there's a collective UK uh, pathology, right? Like emotional pathology, it is that they are all, they're all fixated. F- right. Boob, they're boob, boob, fi- boob fixated. They're boob fixated. Yeah. Right. I think like the Italians, you know, obviously they are going to, they're going to be fo- fixated on the butt. Oh, but yeah. the English are all about the boobs. Okay. And that extends to cows. Fixated they, on the cow's boobs. Fixated on cow boobs. And as a result, they want milk in all their food. Is that why Clockwork Orange had the Maloco Veloset and Synthamask and Drencrum and it was all about the Corova milk bar and all that? Look, look, it should, I mean, 
I've already said too much. Okay. I'm going to get a lot of angry letters. Okay. Uh, but <clears throat> it's absolutely true. And, you know, it's that influence has definitely extended over to the Dutch and the Belgians and the Danes, who also too much, too fixated on cow's boobs. As far as, I, you know, like, yeah, I'm not here to. I'm not here to say like what's what's healthy and what's not healthy. No, but I think we are just trying to do what we always do, which is shine a light on on the reality of a situation. And then German chocolate and well, so in Austria, right, they have the same cows, the same fuzzy cows with the bells around their necks up there pumping out cheese milk that gets put into chocolate and then the Germans and the, uh, you know, that just flows downhill into Germany, right? The Austrians and the Swiss, come on, they might as well. They're basically both, the Austrians and the Swiss exist primarily to give Liechtenstein some, some like, um, context, right? It's all about Liechtenstein, but, but the Swiss and the Austrians like are there as kind of a frame. They're the frame of Liechtenstein. But if you think about it, where's the Spanish chocolate? I'm going to get a lot of angry letters. Like about in general, like you can't. You're saying you can't even get chocolate in Spain. Oh no! I mean, there's. I'm sure there's chocolate in Spain. I know there is chocolate in Spain, but Spain isn't famous for chocolate. They don't think about chocolate. They're they're busy. You know, their their culinary influences are elsewhere. Yeah. The milk. It's all running down into the Loire Valley. It doesn't, it doesn't make it over the, the Pyrenees, right? So whatever the Spanish are doing with milk, they're doing something else. They're not pouring it into chocolate. So, you, you know, they, these are the chocolate hubs. And then Australia and New Zealand, obviously, they have their own strong opinions about things because they're still emotionally connected to the mother country. No one from Japan has ever yelled at me about chocolate, although they have amazing chocolate there. Do they? Yeah, but it's all, you know, it's a kind of Western influence like, oh, okay, this is what people eat. Let's try it. Oh, right. let's, do, let's do our spin on it. Now we've added green tea and grasshoppers to it, and it's great. Right. I ate a pizza in South Korea that had corn and little bits of uh, green beans and other things on top. Mm-hmm. Very weird. So anyway, this Canadian chocolate that I've received, the, the reason I say Hershey's I want you is to the, take a bite of it now on the show. The reason I say Hershey's is the best chocolate is because if you're driving in America and you pull into a gas station and you want a Hershey bar with almonds, there will be one right there for you. It will have almonds in it. It will be made in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and it will be amazing. And if your chocolate snobbery is so great that you cannot appreciate that a Hershey bar with almonds is the best chocolate of all, then I can't help you. I don't even like almonds. All right. All right. Well, I'm not even saying like, if I'm not, I'm not saying eat a handful of almonds. I'm saying a Hershey bar with almonds mm. is the perfect, it's the perfect food. All right, Dan, at your insistence, I have unwrapped these chocolates. Oh, God. So what are you going to do first? Are you going to establish a control chocolate by going with the American first? And then once you've, evaluated the control chocolate that also will tell you if the chocolate is you know skunked or not because you're familiar <laughs> with the taste do you have any other hershey chocolate to compare it to that you already have in your stock 
No, okay. but but I trust. I just want you to go into this with eyes open. I trust our correspondent that when he says this is American Hershey's, that it is in fact American Hershey's. And one of the ways you can tell it's American Hershey's is it says on the back, gluten free as uh, always. Yes, yeah. Because no other country in the world would even know what those words meant. Yeah, would give a shit at yeah. least. Um. Okay, so the problem is if I open one of these, then I have to open all of them. And if I open all of them, I have to eat them all. You can't just leave your coffee or your uh, chocolate just sitting around. No, I mean, but chocolate's good for a while, even once it's opened. You don't have to consume it all at one sitting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You sound like my kid. <laughs> like, while we open it up, we got to have it. You got to eat Here it all. Here we go. Here yeah. we go. Okay, so I think I've identified the Canadian Cadbury from the English Cadbury. And I see the American and Canadian Hershey's. So, what, Dan, you be my guide. And then the Nielsen, obviously, is sticking out like a sore thumb. Here. Okay. You be my guide, Dan. What what should I do? I, I still think you must try the standard American chocolate first. Okay. <clears throat> and all you should have to say about it is, in my opinion, is to confirm, yes, this is the Hershey's chocolate that I know. Okay, here we go. Smelling it. Smells like... Eternal childhood. Here we go. Mm. It has that waxy consistency. So waxy that it takes a while for the chocolate flavor even to appear. (laughs) At first you're like, hmm, this wax is soft. And then gradually like, oh, there's, There's chocolate, chocolate in, in there. <laughs> mm. Okay, it was just a little bit bitterer than normal Hershey's, but then as the flavor came online, mm-hmm. it does taste like Hershey's. And I'm cleansing my palate <clears throat> with what a little bit of c- coffee. Okay, yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, next, I think you should do the. I think we should go to proximity to Pennsylvania. Okay. So that would mean Canada's next, right? Canada's next. Canada Hershey's. Right. Here's the Canada Hershey's. Now, looking at them side by side, they look the same with the Canadian Hershey's being. Slightly lighter in color. There, it actually is visibly more milky. Mm. Here we go. Okay, one last sip of coffee. Canadian Hershey's. Hmm. Hmm. Well, t- mm. tell me what, what's going on. Mm. Canadian Hershey's <clears throat> also pretty waxy. Okay. So consistency, is it the same? No. Canadian Hershey's really does not taste anything like American Hershey's. Really? No, it's much more of a milk chocolate. Okay. It tastes more what I would describe as a sort of European flavor. Okay. Makes sense. It's not 
Hmm. That's not sweeter. It's just it. It actually is. It actually is milkier. Okay. All right, I'm going to try try the American Hershey's again. Like the the was this the one that you said had more fat and sodium and sugar in it, or the one that had milk as the first ingredient? Canadian Hershey's has higher fat, sugar, and sodium. Okay. A completely, a completely different recipe. So now trying the American one again, even though the Canadian Hershey's is, I think, I think people would find that it was a more authentic um, milk chocolate than the American Hershey's. I prefer the taste of the American Hershey's. Okay. Not surprised. I'm going to try the Canadian one again. Make sure when you're doing this that you're saving enough of the American one so that you can have it in between all the other ones. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you'll lose track of that. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the Canadian Hershey's is arguably a better product. It's um, it's not sweeter, but it has, you know, it has probably better mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. If you'll if you'll excuse the phrase, no, it's a good. That's a good phrase. And it, um, <clears throat> you know, it still is waxy, and it takes a while for the for the flavor to bloom. Oh, but. Once the flavor has bloomed, there's like more of it. The American Hershey's is hard to describe exactly what it is you're, what flavor you're experiencing because it, it purports to be milk chocolate, but there's almost no milk mm-hmm. flavor to it. It has its own, its own sort of distinct. You still like the American better though, right? Well, because it tastes like a Hershey's bar to me. Sure. Where um where the Canadian one tastes like a Euro bar, like the kind of like the kind of uh, chocolate you would get on your pillow at a European hotel. Which to me is always a little bit too I don't know, treacly, right? It's a little it, it's like um some people love eating marzipan. Sure. Some people love what is that hazelnut chocolate that people put on toast? Oh, uh, nu- Nutella. Nutella, mm. right? Some people eat Nutella day and night. And when I when I'm when people give me Nutella, I'm like, I get that same. Right, that's like the ha- hazelnut chocolate spread. Yeah, Hazelnoose. Uh, I get that same feeling that I'm being like somebody's trying to fool me. Oh, like they're like playing a to, little trick on you. Like, yeah, we eat this all the time. Wink. Yeah, like you like you used to when you were a kid and you'd go over to a hippie house and they'd be like, would you like some chocolate chip cookies? And then they were whole wheat and they had carob in them. They weren't chocolate chips. They were carob. <laughs> right, you got hoodwinked. And you're, and you're like, what the fuck? Why would you lie? Yeah. Like, you know, that, that was something that happened all the time in the 70s where somebody would slip, slip you carob 
which was just ugh, mm. the worst thing an adult could do. A total betrayal of trust. All right, what are you trying now? I needed to make another coffee so that I had an I had a palate cleanser. All right, because those two chocolates really they got under my skin. <laughs> All right, now I think. So should we do this comparison test working our way up to the English Cadbury or should we now try English Cadbury and Canadian Cadbury comparing all things to their Canadian counterpart? So using kind of Canada as the central defining. Yeah, I like that idea. Well, that's one option. The other option being that Cadbury dairy milk sort of purports to be the at least of these four chocolate bars the 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 high standard or the the um so for instance in the letter here from michael uk cadbury dairy milk is the only one that has milk as the first ingredient mm. so you could say that that was the that's apex chocolate um, so we have to, we have to start with that. Well, or are we, or are we leading up to that? Yeah, so if it was me, I would want to start with the thing that is the most pure and the starting point and then work my way down and compare other things to that so that I know what I'm comparing it to. Right, but we can't do that because we started with what everybody yeah. agrees is the worst chocolate. Right. Which is American. Then you got to work your way up. Yeah. I think you I think you got to work your way up. A okay, lot of decisions so in it podcasting's very hard. It really is. People think that it's just two guys talking. It's not. It's not. There's a lot to think about. You want to do it right the first time because then it's there forever. Okay, so a a a single serving of Cadbury dairy milk is a much larger chunk of chocolate okay. than a Hershey's, one of the little Hershey's uh, ingots. So here we go. And uh, let's see. A Canadian Cadbury bar is 42 grams. And a UK Cadbury bar is 45 grams. A Canadian Hershey bar is 45 grams. I'm surprised at that. And a U.S. Hershey bar is probably not measured at all because we only get confused. Certainly, probably not measured in grams. Let's no. see what. I, oh. I mean, if you would, if we had really thought about this, you would have had a little scale. You would have weighed out the same. Oh wait, well, no, no, no. So a Hershey American Hershey bar is forty-three grams, and a Canadian Hershey bar is forty-five grams. Okay. A Canadian Cadbury is 42 grams, <laughs> and a English Cadbury is 45 grams. So Just eat some of it already. All right, all right. I'm just confused by how... You make fun of me for talking about bridge clearance, and you Well, you know. No, I do make fun of you for that, and I'm rightfully so. All right, here we go. <laughs> Canadian Cadbury... Well, 
What's happening over there? Mm-hmm. All right, the Canadian Cadbury uh-huh. has a kind of <clears throat> there's a little bit of chalkiness to it that also also there's a wax component but it's a little bit chalkier and quite a bit milkier okay even than the milky hershey's now let me ask you a question about this mm-hmm. do you and i think i think our listeners will appreciate this do you suck or do you chew chew what do you mean suck well, you know like hold it in your mouth and sort of let it melt and dissolve or are you chomping down mm. i'm chomping okay is that do you think is that an important part of the way well, that you let the flavor unfold maybe I'll, I'll go back and do the I'll, I'll go back and try them all again with the melting method in yeah. a minute i would say that the canadian cadbury was more of a it's the closest thing to a candy mm, like so far, sweeter? it's sweeter. It's sweeter and, and that flavor is closer to what I think of as a sort of European flavor of chocolate, which is, which is like maybe too much of a candy and not enough of a right. thing that you get at a gas station and eat in your car. Mm-hmm. While you're pumping the brakes down a down an a- access road. Okay, <clears throat> now the, you don't sound that impressed with that one. Well, it's not it's not a lack of being impressed. It is you know like I know I know the chocolates from around the world, and I don't have an I don't have a, a, a an educated enough palate to really be talking about the notes of raspberry and right. uh, and jet fuel that I'm experiencing oh, in them. Jet fuel. Just my normal, just my normal sort of opinionatedness. Right. Okay. Now going to the UK Cadbury, and I know for those listeners at home who are keeping a scoreboard, I know I have said English as uh, synonymous with UK, and I do not need a pedantic lecture. I know the difference. Sometimes I just say the one thing instead of the other. Mm. Because only whatever. only people in England would care about that. Though. Oh, I mean, people in Scotland and Wales are the ones who really care about it. Yeah. And the north of Ireland, the, the people in England would be happy if everyone just said England. It's sure. like it's like um, or would they people, or would they feel protective to their own little. No, order. they don't care. They, yeah. they still think that there's nothing outside of England. Yeah. Like the people in the Netherlands or the people that say Holland about the Netherlands when in fact Holland is just a portion of the Netherlands. Mm. And oh, you'll get lectured about that if you if you spend enough time there. And then, of course, my longstanding problem with Ukraine, where I say the Ukraine. Yeah, we talked about that once. Oh, we talk about it a lot because there's always <laughs> there's always someone that wants to remind me. Yeah. Even though, yes, I know, but some of us are just whatever old, or we just say things because podcasting is hard. Yeah. Anyway, so now going on to the UK Cadbury dairy milk, we have we encounter now a new wrinkle. 
which is that the other three candy bars are manufactured on a, uh, on, uh, with the idea that chocolate comes in a rectangular form. Okay. Instead of a, a longer. Well, no, the, the, or the these are longer than the more square. These are rounder. Oh. So the long the longness of the candy bar in its wrapper it looks sort of very similar it's long and and has a little bit of depth but when you open it up the the um the segments of the bar are actually little round like almost look like little snails hmm. they're, they're not they break apart they're segmented i think if you had a really long one it would look like a caterpillar Right, they're round across the top, so it's a different looking thing. And strangely, the UK Cadbury bar is just a little bit darker than the Canadian one. Oh, sounds better already. It is closest in color. Hmm. It's lighter than the American Hershey bar, slightly lighter even than the Canadian Hershey bar, but darker than the Canadian. Okay. All right, here we go. Okay, I'm looking at a picture of this on uh, Google Images, and it's comparing the Cadbury, which has the rectangle version, with the other one that's got sort of like a, almost like a lozenge shape. Mm-hmm. I'll put that in the show notes. Show notes are going to be at 5x5.tv slash roadwork slash 32. I got a bunch of pictures in there for people of what you're, what we've talked about a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. The English Cadbury bar does not taste like any of the other cat or any of the other chocolate bars. Should be more milky, according to your theory, but it, but it isn't. That isn't that isn't what I where I would go. It has a little bit of the chalkiness of the Canadian one, but it is much sweeter, mm. and the milk, the milk of it, is much better. Um, it's more integrated in the overall flavor. And I feel like the, the problem I have with milk chocolate, European milk chocolate is that the milk always tastes a little bit like it's just turned. Like it tastes a little, the milk just tastes a little suspect to me. You know what I mean? Like it sort of just tastes a little, it tastes a little wrong. Whereas you know, they do raw milk over there. Chocolate fans have expressed their distaste over changes made to Cadbury's dairy milk bar since the British firm was bought out by the U.S. giant Kraft. Mm. This is published uh, in 2013. Fans of the iconic chocolate bar say they don't like the sweeter taste or feel of the new bars, which now have curved segments instead of chunks. So we have no way of knowing what the original Cadbury bar tastes like, except I do know because I I ate them extensively. Hundreds of, of parents said the new bars tasted oily, too sugary, or sickly. <laughs> They're describing this as cultural vandalism. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah. See, I get really, really angry letters on this topic. Yeah. 
Um, so what we can conclude is that chocolate has been ruined by America. Uh, Kraft ruined the English chocolate mm-hmm. or the UK chocolate and took, took away their patrimony, took their whole history away. And presumably they're doing that in Canada too. It's part of the process of the gradual Americanization slash ruination of everything in the world. I do feel like of the four chocolates, even the even though the English Cadbury is an abomination compared to its former self, uh-huh. it still is probably the best of the four. Wow. The best of the four, except now we have Nielsen's Jersey Milk. Oh, now, is that the last iron. one? This is the this is the exclusively Canadian one, and one I've never tried before because when I was in a gas station in Canada, I'm sure they had them there, but I'm I'm sure that I bought a um, I'm sure I bought a Hershey bar with almonds instead. But here we go. Okay, the reason I have uh, you know in Europe you can't get a Hershey bar with almonds, or at least you didn't used to be able to. Mm. Here we go, Jersey milk. Mm. What you got? Really sweet. Oh. I think um, there's a lot of sugar, but also the chocolate tastes more... There's more chocolate taste to it, although it's also sweeter. Okay. The milk tastes a little funny to me. It feels like it might be a little saltier. Okay. Not a bad chocolate bar at all, Dan. No. Um, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go backwards now. And I'm going to follow your mouth melting technique. Okay. Ready? Yep. English one. Sorry. UK Cadbury first. Now you're just, you're putting it in there. You're letting the warmth of, of your head melt the chocolate. Mm-hmm. Does it change it at all when you do it that way? It does. You better fill this space though. Cause it's going to take a while. We would like to thank Wellfront, an automated investment service with nearly $3 billion in client assets under management. They manage a diversified, continually rebalanced portfolio of index funds on behalf of their clients in a low-cost and tax-efficient manner. What does that mean? In plain English, it means they make it easier for anyone to get access to sophisticated, diversified, long-term investments without the high fees and account minimums of traditional wealth managers. Normally, historically, you need to invest at least a million dollars in order to get the attention of a quality financial advisor or wealth management professional, whatever that actually means. 
And then you have to pay at least 1% per year in management fees. That doesn't sound like a lot. Believe me, it adds up. Wealthfront is different. They charge no trading commissions. They're completely free for accounts under $10,000. And for accounts larger than, and we're talking about your retirement account here. For accounts larger than $10,000, their management fee is only 0.25% per year. That's a huge savings. They believe that they have this incredible, rigorous investment research, and they believe that you should be able to cut out the middleman and get every living human sound investment management, not just rich people, not just people with millions of dollars, people like us, regular people. And here's the deal. Go to Wealthfront, wealthfront.com slash five by five. You will see the way that they balance and rebalance this. They'll recommend all of this special customized allocation just for you. And five by five listeners, if you sign up to invest, they will manage your first $15,000, not 10, like regular people, but special people like you, $15,000 entirely free of charge for life. So in addition to never paying commissions or hidden fees, you won't pay any management fees on that first 15K invested. So support the show, support yourself, wealthfront.com, Slash five by five. Mm. <laughs> hmm. Why was I chewing the chocolate? That, see? It's so, much, it's so much better when you just let it melt in your mouth. Mm. I try to tell my kids the same thing. They just bite it. Hmm. You know what I Dan, mean? This is really good. It's really good to eat chocolate this way. <laughs> You're less in a rush, you know? Hmm. I never would have done this if you hadn't mentioned it. No kidding. You've never had chocolate that way. How do you? T- yeah. No. Why would you turn it over and over in your mouth? It's not a lozenge. Well, that's how you get the full. You want your whole palate to get exposed to the flavors of the chocolate. And every part of, you know, your taste buds are in all different parts of your tongue and your mouth. And if you chew it, it's sort of just go down the hatch. You know, you want to really get in there. Wow. To treat it like a like a wine tasting almost. It's, I'm very unaccustomed to the experience of having my entire mouth, basically from my nose to my belly button, coated in chocolate. That's which what is, you want. It's effectively what's happening. That's what you want. <laughs> I'm going to make a small prediction here. I'm going to say that if you get if you really embrace this, <laughs> you may find that your tastes in chocolate change. I would. My my theory is that Hershey's chocolate is meant for chewers. It's meant for people who take big bites and 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 just swallow this stuff down because they know they've only got three five seconds maybe for the for the flavor to hit you and then it's already gone. They want you to go and buy another bar. Mm-hmm. Hershey's for chewers. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, now. Um- Treating the dairy milk as a lozenge was an ex- it was <laughs> explosively different experience. Mm. Now I'm moving on to the Canadian dairy milk. Good or bad? I mean, you haven't. Oh, really good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Chocolate really lasts a lot longer if you just let it melt melt in your mouth. Oh yeah. But I mean, even the experience of being a chocolate eater, the chocolate is like really taking over my whole that's what you want 
saying over my whole face. Yeah. Um, like let I'm it not, just let it happen. Just lay, mm-hmm. lean back and you know run with it. Mm-hmm. But I feel I feel overwhelmed. Taste taste overwhelmed. Yeah. So the UK dairy milk, the experience of eating it by melting it really changed my experience of the chocolate. There's a lot more going on in letting it melt and the flavors were again sort of integrated into a, into a chocolate moment. Right. The Canadian Cadbury melting it was still very intense. Right. But it retained its characteristics, like the milk in it. You could still you could still parse that out. Yeah, you could still identify the sort of sweetness and the milkiness and the or the milk flavor rather. And um, so from the melting, I already felt that the UK dairy milk was probably the superior flavor. Mm. But melting it in in my mouth kind of confirmed that just because of the, just because that, that sort of sour milk, I, uh, that sour milk like tendency didn't, yeah. didn't intrude. Oh. Now I'm going to try the Jersey milk um, just because I want to compare the Hershey's to one another. Okay. Whew, boy, I'm starting to get a little bit. I mean, this is a big thing for you. It's a change in your whole dynamic. It's blowing my mind at more, more ways than one. Okay. Hey, this I just I'm I'm shocked that you hadn't done this. I often considered you a, a man of wealth and taste, mm-hmm. and I just assumed that you would go into it with this kind of approach. Well, it's true. I have ridden a tank. I have held a general's rank, <laughs> but I have never melted chocolate in my mouth. Jersey milk is saltier. Okay. And sugarier. Uh-huh. In the melting, the mouth melting, what happens is the chalkiness is no longer really a factor in, in these. Okay, okay. So that's gone now. Mm-hmm. Or at least, you don't, if you bite into it and it's chalky, you get that initial kind of like granularity. Right. And there's some of that in this Jersey milk. It's like, it's almost... um the granularity is kind of sanding my tongue almost. The Jersey milk and the Canadian Cadbury have a lot of commonalities. The Jersey milk being slightly sweeter and slightly sugarier. Right. Can you make a recommendation based on any of this or? Between those two, I would now feel like it was it was a matter of what I wanted that day. Right. There are there are I think the Jersey milk is the more more extreme or extraordinary one of the two and it would be like I would choose that if I were if I were wanting a peak experience. Maybe not like because it's better, but because it's more. It's like heavier. Right. The Canadian Cadbury just sort of feels regular. Okay. All right. Now, Canadian Hershey's. 
This will take less long because these are smaller pieces. They don't. They won't require as much. <laughs> All right. Time to turn into a solution. All right. Here we go. What I didn't factor is yeah. that the higher wax content means that it actually takes longer to melt. <laughs> I mean, do you think? Do you think that they're intended to be eating it, eaten this way? Mm-mm. Or do you think they're intended to be just sort of? Mm-hmm. So the Canadian Hershey bar is much milder. Okay. And the and the waxiness of it actually kind of does make it a little bit unpleasant to eat. Just in the sense that it isn't melting like the other ones are melting. It melts. It's sort of it wears away. So like the other ones, if you just sat them on your tongue, eventually they would just liquefy and go, you know, like turn into chocolate sauce. The, the Canadian Hershey maintained its, uh, its integrity. The little bar stayed a little bar all the way up until the very end. Like it, it had a little soap bar sliver uh-huh. <laughs> there that was still in the soap dish. And you kept trying to use it in the, in the shower <laughs> right. until it finally and it stays the same shape all the way down, all the way down. That's, that's what happened. <laughs> and, and, and it's not that the flavors were unpleasant, um, relative to the other bars, but less of those flavors. And, you know, it's just like a, like a, a more underwhelming experience. I've been thinking what we need to do is we need to put together a sample for our listeners and do one of those, what are they called? The the loot crate or whatever it is where your, our listeners get like a, like a sampling of stuff from us every month. And this month's (laughs) would be, you know, one, a sample of these, each one of these chocolates, all these chocolate bars. Uh, Are you so good? I'm starting to feel, a little high. I mean, I've had two yeah. big cups of coffee to go with these. But oh man, am I so what? I was going to say. Do you think that you're so your palate is refined enough that you could now identify each one of these chocolates separately? If I were to, because that's the real test of a chocolate chocolate sommelier. That's right. I would be able to tell these apart now, having yeah. having focused on them a little bit. I don't think it's that my palate is necessarily that sophisticated, mm. but. But if you sit and think about things, I'm sure there are chocolate people out there who wouldn't even try any of these chocolates because they're up in some strange, strange nature world. Right. I love dark chocolate too. And the problem with all the fancy dark chocolates is now that, you know, you go to the store and it's like, oh, this chocolate is infused with the kava kava bear. Right, right, right. Go fuck yourself. I don't want that. I don't want it. I don't want anything infused with anything anymore. I maybe want just you do, but maybe you do. I just want normal flavors. I don't want any kava kava berry. Mm-hmm. I don't even think there is a kava kava berry. I think people are making it up. We've got a kava kava like bar here. A bar? Yeah, you go there, and I guess they ser- serve it in tea. What isn't that? What they're doing? Kava kava. It's, it's a root, I think. So they put it in tea or something like that. Well, that's fine. If you want to put stuff in tea, that's fine. Go have your tea. Go. I mean, people that want to have special tea can 
can have special tea. Just don't infect the chocolate with it. Or if you're going to have kava kava chocolate, at least have a nice selection of just chocolate chocolate so that chocolate lovers aren't forced to, you know, like plow through all these salted caramel. Yeah. Olive flavored chocolates to get to what they really want, which is the delightful sweetness of an American Hershey bar. All right, here we go. This is it. American Hershey. Are you ready? Yep. This is my, this is my lodestone. Yeah. You're telling me in all this time, you've never, you've never had like just a, let a Hershey chocolate segment dissolve in your mouth. What you got? Well, I think by any measurement, the American Hershey bar is is by far the worst of all the candies. Oh, when you let it dissolve like that. Yeah, because the sugar starts really poking out as just like sugar, not really blended in. It's just like. Do you know, are they using real sugar? Is it, is it corn syrup? Let's see here. Let's see what it says on the list. Milk chocolate. It does say sugar. It doesn't say. It doesn't say uh, corn syrup. Cocoa butter, lactose, milk fat, soy, lecithin, uh, PGPR. I don't even know what that is. Emulsifier, vanillin, and artificial flavor. Uh. It seems like there are artificial flavors in every one of these and hard to know what artificial flavor means. seems like you can get away with a lot, but yeah. So, so the American chocolate, when, when you, when you melt it like that, the, you know, it sort of it it gives away its position a little bit. The what do you mean, com- like that it <laughs> that it sucks? Well, the <laughs> components of it are all really separate from one another. Like, oh, there's the chocolate. There's the kind of sour milk. There's the sugar. There's the filler. It doesn't blend. It doesn't become a single mm-hmm. flavor. Mm-hmm. The the I never would have thought that the, the the admixture of flavors, the 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 unification of the taste, would be a thing that I was looking for in a chocolate, because I just would bite it, chew it, six or seven times, and then it was gone. And then the initial pop of American Hershey's, <clears throat> which felt less milky and more just. Um, more like its own kind of separate thing. Now I realize is maybe you're absolutely right that it's meant to be chewed. It's meant to be chewed by dynamic Americans who are chomping down their Hershey's bars on the way to building up a steel industry and beating back the, the uh, national socialists. And it's not a candy bar to be luxuriated in. Right. 
sit around at the at a crossroads with your staff with a bunch of sheep around you while you just look you know I think I mean I think all the time to let a chocolate melt in your mouth almost in in the same way John as as fast food in a way like you know you go to these fancy restaurants and they give you these tiny little mousse bouche portions where they're you know just a couple little bites just to get a flavor and oh we're playing with this flavor here and we've got you know all of the emulsification and stuff that they do and it's all just experimental flavors right if and and so when you take that bite or two you you take a while with it you don't just like oh that was good give me the next one you know if you did that you wouldn't enjoy it you wouldn't get the subtlety of the food but if you're just going to eat whatever a big mac or something like you're not you're not going to sit down with that on like a fancy plate and take your time and get the mouthfeel of the whatever it's not going to be very good I think I think the Hershey's chocolate is meant to be an on the go chocolate bar. It's the kind of thing you have when you're doing something else, you know. It's it, you're you're driving in your truck or you're you know, you got a stack of chocolate bars to eat before the end of the episode that you're watching on TV whatever it is. It's a uh, Well, see, I hate to give <clears throat> European people any um gratification. Yeah. Right? Oh, no, I I couldn't possibly agree more. Because they're awful with their terrible opinions and their hectoring, pedantic lectures about how things ought to be. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yes. they, they heap scorn upon America and on all things American. And I've always felt it was my position in the world to, to, uh, to fend off all that European scorn. But in this instance, I have to acknowledge that the Hershey bar even though it is its own unique candy is an awful candy by, by comparison. (laughs) And I'm thinking, you know, those times when you go into a steak restaurant where you're buying a very expensive steak and you, and at least the way I eat an expensive steak is I slice it very thin and I take a little morsel and I sit and enjoy it. And the, you know, and the experience of the meat is very sensory. Yeah. Uh, and then I try and imagine myself eating a Big Mac that way, where you take a little bite of it and then just roll it around right. in your mouth. Yeah, you wouldn't want to do that. It you just, would never do that. No, the idea sounds... You almost want to the, to get the Big Mac into your stomach without having to actually chew it up very much. Yeah, you just gobble it, right? right? Because How do I get this from out there where it is in the wrapper down into my stomach so I don't feel hungry anymore. Yeah, get rid of this thing. Like <laughs> right. when I think about when I think about taking a piece of Arby's roast beef and letting it sit in no, my mouth for any length of no, time. No. Where you just gradually you're letting it unfold in your mouth and you're like, "Oh, I taste the hate. <clears throat> I taste the sorrow. I <clears throat> taste the machines. I taste the I taste all of the uh <laughs> like every person that has touched this is at the nadir of their life." <laughs> And it started with a cow that was at the nadir of a cow's life. And then each person along the way is like, oh, man, I work at the, you know, I work at the slaughterhouse that services Arby's. Like, I'm the truck driver that drives the drives the barrels of meat paste to Arby's. Like, every single person along the chain is just sad. And you can taste it all if you let that spend any time in your mouth at all. That's not what you want. You want to get one pound of food out of the paper and and into the you know and into the potty out from the paper right, to the potty right, right as fast right. as you can 
So yes, and I know that about I know that about other foods. I just felt like chocolate was, you know, American chocolate had its own had its own merits that were separate from the merits of it being chocolate. Right? It was its own category right. almost of like, yeah, 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 I know it's awful, but but it's useful and now I see why. Mm. It's it's useful because you buy an American chocolate bar in the gas station. You have already eaten it by the time you get back into your car. So it's a it's a candy bar made to be eaten in a parking lot while you're walking. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a safe. Now we see. Now we agree. That's amazing. I I confess. I confess that I was wrong. I've never sat with five chocolate bars and taste tested them. Hershey's is is indefensible. <laughs> oh man, this is a big this is a big thing. Mm, mm. Have you ever have you ever had this kind of epiphany <laughs> about? Are food you before? saying have I ever admitted I was wrong? Well, I I was no! going, but no. Uh, let's see. Well, no, I have epiphanies all the time. I I I think what but I think of this part level. Of, well, part of the reason that I never did this before is that I didn't want to know. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I did not want to be somebody that suddenly was only eating Rita sport candy bars. And I don't even know how I would compare a Rita sport to these. I mean, now I have to, this is the thing. Now I have to go to some fancy store, buy 42 different kinds of chocolate and sit with them all and then form an opinion about what my favorite chocolate is. When I already had this all resolved, my favorite chocolate was the worst of all chocolates. Yeah. And so done problem done. solved. You can buy Hershey bars. You can buy a pallet of them at Costco. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to go to a specialty store. Right. Now, what am I going to do, Dan? Mm. Now I'm ruined. Well, there is other chocolate out there you can get in America. Yo, I know. I know. It all tastes like cava berries. Mm. Not all of it. And we I'm have some good stuff. I'm excited. I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this. I'm hoping that other people will send me chocolates and, uh, Explain to me which ones are the best, and uh, then I'll probably end up opening your package probably within six months of, of it arriving, and I will try the chocolates using this new chocolate-sucking technique, too, which is, all of this is really, my days are going to seem a lot longer now. You know, I, I'll tell you, with your show that you do with Merlin and this show, you've really, you've like affected my life in a lot of ways. I feel like this is the first time I've been able to return the favor that I've been able to, you know, really teach you something hmm. and change your life in a, in a positive way. Hmm. Or at least the first well, I've, I've noticed it. I think you changed my life in positive ways before Dan, but, <laughs> but, but I'm, I, I'm glad that this is like, it's all happened in the space of an hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. an hour ago, I would have, I would have argued with any German I would have passionately argued with any German, which is one of my favorite things to do, but I would have argued about chocolate and now I can't, I have to just, I have to just acknowledge that I am a novice, right? Go, go back to the, take off my vestments and go back to my hair shirt <laughs> and sit in front of a pile of chocolates. You know, I, like I went through this with cigarettes. I tried every kind of cigarette and then I decided that I, you know, for a long time, I smoked the worst cigarettes just because 
you know, everybody else can go to hell. And then eventually I, I said, what, no, what I, were the worst? Were they camels or Marlboros? Oh, or? I mean, Marlboros, I think are the worst. I never smoked those, but no camels. And then Winston's. See, I would have put you as, as either a camel or a Winston man. Yeah. I smoked camels for a long time. Did you ever smoke those camel, Winston. camel wides? No, no, because I, because I pull my pants up. You know what I mean? I don't need a, I don't need a, a cigarette that is designed for teenagers. No, I wanted a cigarette that was uh, a, a cigarette that had been smoked by bomber pilots. Right. Um, I smoked uh, when I was in Spain, I smoked Ducados until I realized that they were making me physically ill and really? repulsive to other people. Uh, and then I tried to smoke like Rothmans and all those UK cigarettes that and I just didn't like. They're just not very good cigarettes. And likewise, American spirits, an American spirit will last a single American spirit will last 45 minutes, yeah. which when you're first smoking cigarettes seems like an advantage, right? Like this cigarette lasts and lasts. But the reality is you don't want a cigarette to last. No, it's not a you cigar. Wanna, it's not a... Yeah. You yeah. want to smoke your cigarette and then get on with it, right? Yeah. You don't want to sit this fucking flaming stick for 45 minutes. It's like you're babysitting it. So eventually I settled on Export A's, the great Canadian cigarette, which are each one, frankly, like a little chocolate bar. Hmm. Like they're perfectly sized. They are delicious tasting. And they last exactly as long as you want a cigarette to last. And then you can, you can finish it and say, voila. I'm looking at uh, photos of the box for an Export A, which I've never mm -hmm. heard of before. Mm -hmm. And they have their green box with a little blonde woman who's wearing some kind of little pointed hat, the tassels of which are blowing in the wind. They look, they look fine. You're having, you're having a much different experience of export A's than, than I ever did. If let's you, see if, if they've Google changed the export a cigarettes. Let's see if they've changed the, I don't remember a little elf in a hat. Not an elf. I mean, she's a full grown woman. Let's see the computer. My computer doesn't even 25 know finest Virginia cigarettes. Filter. Oh, that's the, that's the other thing. They're 25 in a box yeah. instead of, uh, instead of 20, which is nice. Cause you feel like you get that feeling you're getting more. Oh no. So those, the one with the little Scottish lady on them. Oh, is that different? Well, I, I feel like some of those are, are vintage. Oh, so maybe they change their packaging. The packaging that I Well, let's see. Now, now we're now our program is us on uh, just the internet, googling, yeah, googling things. Two guys googling, uh, which still I think is better than most podcasts. <laughs> we <laughs> podcasts. Uh, I, you know, I can find you the the exact box yeah, of the export day that that. Um, like the standard, I guess they all did have that little lady on them. You never, I never noticed, noticed her. I, never I would have seen that's funny because <clears throat> I would have thought that would have been part of the reason that you would have selected those cigarettes. How many packs of cigarettes have a little smiling blonde woman with a little Scottish, you know, uniform on with the. 
I mean, it's a good question. Having never noticed her on all of the packs of that brand of cigarettes I smoked, maybe they all have a little Scottish woman on them. That's what I'm saying. And I just never noticed. I mean, I've, you, I know but that- a part of your subconscious noticed. Do you know what I'm saying? We notice everything. She's, it's just a matter of can we filter it out or do we retain it? She's kind of amazing. She's carrying a little walking stick. Yeah. She's got a whole outfit on. Uh, wow. I'm just astonished that I that I failed so utterly to pay attention to my cigarette box. I wonder who she is. I wonder how she got on a cigarette box. What's um, the story there? Who Who is this? Who is this miracle woman? I put and, a link to the Ampex ATR 100 into the show notes because we didn't get to talk about it very much. Yeah, why? Why are? Why did you have this firsthand experience of an of this Ampex, uh, like mixed to tape machine? I've never, uh, I've never seen one of these things in person before. I'd heard about them more as like a plug-in. Oh like you God. could get a plug in for your digital, you know, audio setup so that, you know, you could, you could essentially pump your audio through these, but I'd just seen it. I'd never really knew. And, and it, I was like, why would you want to do that? Uh-huh. But, uh, we were over at a really cool, there's a mastering studio here in Austin that, uh, had his uncle and an uncle run. It's a really cool place called Terra Nova. And they've worked with big, big, big name people doing their mastering work for many, many, many years. <clears throat> and he had one of these. So if you, if you can, you know, for people who don't know immediately what one of these things looks like, it's, it's I guess you would call it a reel-to-reel tape player in a way, but it's much more than that. It's a multi-track recorder. And apparently he said that nowadays that people are more and more rejecting the sort of digital sound, that they want to go back to the way that things used to sound with a much warmer feel to them. And he uses this in part of his mastering work for those people who want that kind of a sound or wherever he thinks it's appropriate. And gives you a very, very much great natural analog sound to the music and he's got one of these and he said that he, he had a friend who rebuilt the thing for him i don't know when he got it but he's had it for a while and it sounds uh you know he's according to him and this is his this is his business he says it sounds really really good and uh he you know he showed it to me showed me how it worked and everything and it it's, looks really cool and it looks like something from i mean i think these things were coming out in the mid 70s and it looks like something from the mid seventies, but he's this thing's just running, just running beautifully. And they're uh, they were very very expensive when they came out. And it is known as the king of all tape machines. Uh, there's so much. <clears throat> there's so much for me to to uh, grab onto in this conversation, Dan, that I don't even know where to begin. Yeah. Do you want to hold, um, hold it for the next show? Well, I don't think that we'll, I don't think we'll make it all the way to the next show because this is just, this is, um, cause you've heated up the pot. You know what I mean? 
I think he, I think, you know, I know that you're working on a new album and I, I would like, I would suggest that, that you work with Terranova and you, and you, you run your stuff through this thing, push it through. <laughs> I can hook you up with them. Uh, Dan, the, these, these machines that you're talking about. Yeah. I have, I have, I have extensive experience with them. Oh, you've used them. I don't. I don't need to uh, come to Austin to use. Well, I'm just trying to think of how to get you out of here to use it. Come on, every one come of my out records, here. every single one of the Long Winters records has been mixed to that that machine or or an equivalent. And the I, I love that you and and your Austin friend are talking about how uh, talking about the warmth that is imparted to recorded music by going to tape. Yeah, at some at some point instead of that pro tool sound, you know, instead of that pro tool sound. But you know, when I was beginning my recording career, it was, um, pro tools and digital recording were in their infancy. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, the first two long winters records were recorded entirely on tape and, and a very different machine than that. A, a, uh, 24 track two inch tape machine where the tape is actually two inches across mm. and then mixed from a tape machine to a second tape machine like the one that you see and not put into a digital at all until the until the final sort of like pressing to the cd right yeah manufacturing yeah. into cd and then the third record was recorded on 16 track two inch tape and mixed to stereo half inch, mm. which was even crazier. But but what happened along the way was we had 16 tracks and we wanted to have a lot more tracks. So we synced this. This was insane. We synced a 16 track two inch tape machine with a sort of shit mid 2000s <laughs> version of Pro Tools. Uh -huh. And we put all the stuff on the Pro Tools that we didn't that didn't need to be warm stuff like shakers and all this oh, right, other right. kind of shit. Uh, but the 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 interface machine that synced the tape machine with the Pro Tools was also like a new technology, and they were constantly going out of sync. And you could it was like half the time we were trying to troubleshoot this system. And then the final Long Winters record was recorded onto tape in a different way, which is to say that we had one reel of two-inch tape because all the tape manufacturers were going out of business at that point. Tape was becoming just hard to acquire. And so we had one or two reels, and we recorded everything to tape and then immediately put it into Pro Tools. So it just went onto the tape and then immediately into the digital. So right. it was, it was just an effect basically. Um, in order to impart that, that magical sort of tone, what right. something that's called tape compression, which is like in digital, if your, if your sound has peaks or overloads, uh -huh. yeah, you'll hear it crackle. And right and do this kind of digital uh, digital peaking. But on tape, if you hit the tape really hard, like the tape will just, 
the tape will compress the sound just by virtue of the fact that it, it, you know, it will record it. It will record the, the, um, it will record the max that it can, but then it sort of rounds off the top of it in a very, very pleasing way. It doesn't, it doesn't crackle. It just sort of smooths, just smooths the peaks down. And it's a very lovely sound. It makes a, it blends everything together very nicely. Anyway, so from the t- from 2006 to the present, uh, and our last record was made in 2006. In the intervening 10 years, tape has all but gone away for any but the most ardent right. audi- audio enthusiast. And I haven't really made a record in that whole time. I've been monkeying around in computers and stuff. But, uh, but it's hilarious to me that in that 10 years, tape completely went into the sunset and now inevitably it's, you know, there, there are those purists out there. And uh, through my entire recording career, the only people still using tape were purists. We, we thought we were very, very arty, cool, vintage gear using um, hipster musicians, even in 2003, because we were, our little cult of people were maintaining these machines and saying, we'll never go to digital. Right. But now it's ridiculous, and you can record things that sound great on your phone yeah. for all intents and purposes. And so, anyway, hearing you wax lyrical about this Ampex, it makes me it makes my heart sore, <laughs> and also make makes me a little little sad, and it makes me lol because oh my god, those machines are really tough to maintain, and it's impossible to find tape now. And they're a, they're seriously a super big pain in the ass just to keep calibrated. Nobody can afford to spend six hundred dollars a day in a studio to make recordings. I don't even know. I'm trying to finish a record right now. I can't believe that we used to pay three hundred dollars a day to go into a studio. And if you can find one for three hundred dollars a day now, it's yeah. I mean, you can, but but I mean, think about that. I, you, we would have a recording budget of like $3,000. That's 10 days. Get in there for 10 days. That's your whole record though. You know, from you record it and mix it. The first, the first couple of records, I think we only, we, we spent less than 10 days on. So yeah, it's a wonderful thing and it's, it's nice work if you can get it. But in most cases it will all come out of digital. It'll hit that tape one time and then go right back into digital and so it is, it's effectively a plugin. It's just a, it's just an analog plugin. It's a, it's like a, it goes to that tape to kind of smear the sound together and then right back into the computer. I'm sure it'll, as time goes on and there are fewer and fewer of those and most of the ones that still work are owned by Lenny Kravitz. Right. Right. Um, the few of them that are out in the wild and still being maintained by real people, they'll, they'll end up being a real, a real prize, but these guys worked with, uh, with your friend, Amy Mann. I bet they did. They did. I bet they did. I mean, I, Willie Nelson. Honestly, I guess my only confusion is that 99% of people listening to music on their phones. With with earbuds, right? Like you're saying, it doesn't even matter, right? 
for 15 years, we've been arguing about whether or not it matters. And in 2003, people were passionate about whether or not it mattered. Mm -hmm. And now it just seems like, I mean, I listened to somebody was trying to turn me on to Drake. A, a, A very, a very close friend of mine was trying to explain Drake to me. Sure. And my first introduction to Drake was that she held her phone up to me <laughs> and said, check it out. And I listened to this, uh, like coming across her iPhone speaker and it sounded like <laughs> with some like monochromatic singing. over Yeah. It. And I was like, yeah, I get it. I mean, I get what it is, but I do not get why anybody wants to hear it. And then later on, I sat down with the exact same Drake track and listened to it on real headphones on a real stereo. And I got it like it sounded great because there was all that information in it um, that I couldn't hear. Um, And. But but I can't I can't help but feel like most people aren't hearing music the way they aren't hearing the nuance in it. All the right. stuff that I really work hard to put into all of our records, all the little fucking silent sounds. Right. 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 Um, you can't even hear it. Uh, you can't, you can't discern it uh, with with the little teeny earbuds and the MP3 and the right. phone, all these, all these different things in the signal chain that get in between the song and the, the high fidelity song that you worked really hard to make sure was, it was like the highest caliber audio. And then each, I mean, the MP3 just takes away 90% of the digital, 90% of the sonic information. And then it's fed through a, whatever phone compression you're getting the 10,000 levels of compression that happen in, in the box. And then it comes out into some earbuds that you got for free on a plane. And it's just like, why even I should just have a, I should just have a baseline, a drum machine and a vocal. You're done. That, uh, and, and honestly, if you can make a song sound good with just those components, then it's probably a pretty good song. Mm 